Today I'm going a little bit off script. We've been studying the book of Luke, but I wanted to share with you a real quick thought this morning. I knew it would be the Lord's Supper, and I wanted to share something I think that would be helpful to all of us about the local church. I am so glad that God has given us uh, salvation, and he uses three components to bring salvation to the heart of a person. Number one, he uses his word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So anyone who gets saved, someone needs to explain to them from the Bible what the Bible says. Yesterday I sat in a home here in Hammond in the living room of my friend, and I went through the gospel message in the word of God. And I did that so that he could be saved. Because Faith has to be generated by a response to the Word of God. The second thing God does to bring people to His Son, Jesus, is not only the Word of God, but the Spirit of God. God's Spirit has to generate three things in my heart for me to be saved. Number one, a recognition of my sin. Number two, a recognition of His Son, the righteousness of Jesus. I cannot save myself. A church can't save me. The baptistry waters can't wash away my sin. I can't go to heaven because I'm better than somebody else. No, I, my righteousness is not enough. Your righteousness is not enough. You have to have the righteousness of Jesus. So the Spirit of God will make real to you your sin when you get saved, and he'll make real to you his son, uh, Jesus, and his righteousness is what you need. Now, I've never seen Jesus before. I've never been to heaven or to hell. But the Spirit of God makes eternity and judgment real to you as well. He reminds us that we are sinners, we need Jesus, and if we don't accept Jesus, we're going to be judged, separated forever in the lake of fire away from God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The third component that God uses to get people the gospel is not only His Word and His Spirit, but His body, the local church. Everyone who gets the gospel gets this gospel um, directly or indirectly because a church somewhere stimulated people to tell or to give so others can get the gospel. Everybody who gets saved is because of a local church. How many of you rode a bus to church for the first time? Uh, and that's how you got saved is through the bus ministry. Would you raise your hand? Many of our dear friends. The reason you got saved is because a local church did its job. How many of you received a gospel tract sometime in your life before you got saved? Would you raise your hand? Okay, that was because a local church did its job. How many got saved and heard the gospel through a junior church or a, a vacation Bible school or a Sunday school class? Anybody like that? That's because a local church did its job. If someone witnessed to you at the job, it's because someone went to church and they were stimulated to tell people about Christ. So God uses his word, his spirit, and his church to get people the gospel. Now, he also uses those same three components to help us grow in the Lord. You will be stagnant and, and still and, and anemic in your Christian life if you are not committed to the word of God, responsive to the spirit of God to work inside of you, and faithful to the house of God. That's God's plan. Now, let me just remind you. That God's word is perfect. You don't need to change it. Let it change you. When you read the Bible, it'll start reading you. The spirit of God is perfect. He's God. He, he's perfect. The church of the Lord is not perfect. 
Okay? And that's the reason is it's not perfect because you and I go there and we're not perfect. If you ever find a perfect church, do them a favor. Stay away from it because <laughs> you'll mess it up. Yeah, there's no perfect church, but God has no plan B. There is no other option. He's not going to accept. Well, some people say, well, I, my church is the woods. Listen, Spanky, that's not in the Bible. Well, I, I'm at church when I'm underneath my car working on a Sunday morning. That's not Bible. I'm at church at the Businessmen's Bible Club. That's not a church. A church is the organization of Jesus Christ. Now, it's not perfect, but it is God's stabilizing factor in our life. And the passage we see this morning is Psalms 84. Now, there are 150 psalms, and the largest book in God's Bible is a song book, the book of Psalms. 150 songs that his people wrote. Now, some of them were written by Moses, like Psalm 90 and 91. Some were written by Solomon. Many, if not most of them, were written by David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Some were written by the sons of Korah and the song leaders in the, in the house of God. This particular psalm was written before the temple was built. It was written by the sons of, Le of the Levites. So there were three categories. One carried the tent, one carried the furniture, and the others carried the rods and the poles. There were three different divisions of the, when they moved the tabernacle. Before there was a temple, they would move the tabernacle place to places. They would migrate to different locations. They would set up the tabernacle right in the middle of the camp. So that three tribes would be on one side and three tribes on the other side and three tribes here and three tribes here. And everyone was somewhat equal distance to the tabernacle, the place where God would meet with his people. By the way, that's a good place for you to be. Build your life somewhere close to the local church, not necessarily in proximity, but in heart that you're in. You're in it to win it. You're not just uh, messing around in the, in the waiting pools of commitment. You're in the deep end. You're all in. It's a great, it's a, you, you study mankind, you study Christians that finish life right, you'll find them faithful to the word of God, responsive to the spirit of God, and involved in the house of God. You find that, look at, check me out. You'll find that to be the case. And if you want to be a winner in Christianity, you'll need to figure that out too. But in Psalm 84, every year, Hebrew men were required to go from wherever they lived in Israel and they were to come down to the tabernacle in Shiloh three times a year for various feasts. Pentecost, um, Passover, they were, they were the Feast of Tabernacles. They were going to come every year three times. It was required of them. Now, some people didn't do it. Just like some people don't go to church. They, they, they just ignore God's, God's command. They don't, they don't come. And some men did not. But men who were committed, and Jesus was one of those. You say, why did Jesus have to go from Galilee to Jerusalem all the time? Because three times a year, all, his hundred, his, all of his 33 years here, he came down and went back up. It wasn't an easy journey. On foot, it, it could have been as many as uh, 120 miles away. 90 miles of going and stopping your work and stopping your things and going down and spending several days with God's people in Jerusalem. Well, here, the temple wasn't built yet. It was the tabernacle. And men would come down, and they would go from strength to strength. They would make their way down to the tabernacle, and they would worship the Lord there. And God gives us a song that they sang. And I think the song gives us benefits of the house of God. And I want you to today, I, I hope you, I love the church. And I think anybody who loves, and the church is not a building, it's not a denomination, 
it's, it's a, a called out of its people. You remember when you were little kids, you know, this is the church and this is the steeple. Open the door and you see all the people. <laughs> That's really what people, people, church is people. People who have been saved, have been baptized and have voluntarily connected themselves, involved themselves together for the work of God. That's what First Baptist Church is. It's 135 years since 12 people sat down at the conference room of the Morton House Hotel and signed their names. One married couple, two sisters, and eight single adults, along with Pastor and Mrs. Hill, 135 years ago, signed a piece of paper that we will start this church in this city. It's why it's called the First Baptist Church of Hammond. It was the First Baptist Church. And I'm so glad they did that. This church has been a blessing to countless thousands and even millions of people because of what 12 people did years ago. But understand the value of a local church is extremely important. Let me direct your attention back to the Bible, can we please? So I want to talk to you a little bit, what is the blessings of being a part? Now, I will just tell you, you don't have to know what I'm going to tell you to experience the blessings of God by being a part of a local church. But this will help you. Let's look and see, what, it, what is it that it does for me? Now, may I say to you, don't go to church for what it does for you. Go to church to be a blessing. And then you'll get blessed. Some people, they come, I want to get fed. I just, I want to hear a good one today. I hope you can keep me awake. You know, it's all about that. It's all about you. And church, God wants church to be a place where you come to strengthen others by your presence and your participation. But let's see the blessings that come from a local church. Number one, look, can you look at verse number one of chapter, or uh, Psalm 84. Let's look at it. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Now, the church is about Christ, it's about the Lord. And if you look at verse number two, read it with me. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living. Three times in that passage of scripture, you'll see a reference to the Lord and God. The church is about the Lord. There are three things that, that we need in church, a lordship, leadership, partnership. And it starts with the lordship of Jesus. You don't come to church for me. That's a lousy reason to come to church. You come to church for the Lord. I don't come to church for you. I don't come to church for other people. I come to church for him. And he said, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. He said, my soul, my heart longeth. You know, when you get involved in a local church, you're going to find, number one, you're going to find satisfaction to your soul. And church has a way of resetting your priorities, your desires, your thinking, and your feelings about things. I'm thankful for church. Many times, I've had the joy now, I'm 55 years old. And by God's grace, my parents got saved before I did, and they exposed me to Christ. Now, they couldn't get me saved. I had to decide that for myself, and I did. And I'm grateful on a Sunday night in a church. I got the gospel shared with me and the conviction of the Holy Spirit happened to me. However, I will say this many times in my 55 years of breathing air, God has used the local church to reset my thinking, my feelings, and my desires. Sometimes the local church has made me very uncomfortable. You know, the job of a pastor is to comfort those who are afflicted and to afflict those who are comfortable. <laughs> Hey, when I've come to church sometimes, I've got the proverbial kick in the pants. I mean, I was lifting my feet because you're stepping all over my toes. They were telling me, hey, you're wrong. You're doing something wrong. And God uses that to help me in the local church. I've walked into church before with a grudge against another person. And God used the message to remind me I was absolutely off my rug. 
If God forgives them, I'm supposed to forgive them. Quit, quit drinking liquid Drano hoping it hurts the person who hurts you. Sometimes I've gone to church and I didn't care about anybody. I only cared about me. And the Spirit of God worked me over that service. And hey, John, it's not about you. It's about others. Look not every man on his own things, everything on the things of others. Hey, the first reason for the church is that it, it satisfies and brings stability to your soul. All of us need change. You know when the Bible tells us when someone preaches to your Sunday school teacher, you read the Bible. He said, I want you to preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. You know, I don't like reproof, nor do you. Because reproof does two things. It points out a failure in my life. And it points out a need for change. Most of us don't want to look there. We don't want to look at our failures and we don't want to look at change. We don't like that. We like, we like us just the way we are. But the Spirit of God's going to tell us at church, you hear the Word of God. And by the way, you can stay home and watch online. You can do it all the services. You can make any, any reason you want to do just to stay home. But it's just not the same online. If you can be in church, you're supposed to get yourself there. If Jesus gave his blood for the church, you and I ought to go to church. We ought to be in a place where we can provide our presence and participation. And when we come, God satisfies and resets our souls. It's very important. A Christian out of church is going to find themselves really uh, not responsive to the Spirit of God. They're going to find themselves getting cold. It's like taking an amber, uh, a coal out of a fire and taking it out and putting it on a sidewalk somewhere. It's not going to stay hot long. The best way it can get hot again is to put it back in that, in that place where, the, where its fire is going. Many people decided, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to go home to be married. <laughs> but it makes for a better relationship with your wife, your husband. You want to have a right relationship with Christ, you ought to be in church. Because it resets your soul. Number two, it provides stability for you and your family. Let's look at the next verse if we can, please. Verse number three and four, would you read it with me? Everybody out loud, read verse number three. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Look at verse four. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, for they will be, what's the next word? Still praising thee, Selah, or pause. Let me just tell you something. The reason that God uses the church is to draw our hearts back to Christ, back to truth, back to our King, back to our God. And it brings stability to your soul and to your family. The worshiper, on his way to the temple or to the tabernacle that day, he looks up and he sees a nest where a little swallow has built a nest and she's raising her young right close to the tabernacle, right near overlooking the, 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 the horns of the altar. He looks over on this side and he sees a sparrow has set a nest there too and they're raising their young right close to the church. And the psalmist says, smart bird. I wish I could be like that bird. I get to come here three times a year but that bird gets to, he, he's, he's done something very smart. She has built her nest right next to church, right next to the horns of the altar where God meets with his people. And dear friend, I want to encourage you. You want to, you want to raise a stable family. You want to be a stable person. You want to make sure that you're mentally, that you're socially, 
that you're spiritually strong, you might want to get involved in a local church and start finding it as a, as a preeminent place in your heart and life. The worshiper said, number one, it, it's good because it brings me back to God and it satisfies my soul. It brings stability to my mind, my thinking, my feelings, my desires, and my family. And I will still go through life and will still be praising thee. You know, as you age, you ought to decide, listen, I, I'm a little older now. Maybe some of you are like Linda and I. We have three kids still at home, and they're falling like flies. I never thought that would happen like that, like dominoes, boom, boom, boom. And part of it, I'm like, get out of here, you know. You're saving on the grocery bill, buddy. Let someone else be your, you know, be someone else's problem. No, I'm just joking. We love our kids. It's kind of, oh, I'm having a hard time with it. I love those kids. And the truth of the matter is, if I want to provide stability for my children, I got I to gotta build it around the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the house of God. Now people get hurt in church. Join the club. You hurt other people too. None of us are innocent in that way. You, if you put kids in the nursery, you're going to get sometimes fired up with the nursery worker. If you put your kids in the junior church, someone's going to bite them. Someone's going to pull their hair. Someone's going to steal their little snicker bar. Okay, it happens. Okay, it happens at school too. It happens. You, you, you're going to sing in the choir. Someone will say, can you just scoot over two more places? Because I can't sing with you. You know? Probably because you can't carry a tune in a bucket with a handle on it. That's probably why. You know, oh, that hurt my feelings. So listen, uh, love the Lord, love his word, and you won't be nearly as offended and frustrated with that. But listen, the church is not perfect, but it is a place where you can raise your children and raise yourself and bring stability. Every once in a while you find someone who just spits on the church and how they were raised. Now, they have unbelievable writing skills. They can put together, they went to a good Christian school. They were taught some of the most strongest disciplines. They're, they're respected in their community. But all of a sudden, like, ah, I was raised, I was raised in a bad place. But they make unbelievable amount of money. They're very skilled in their things. And they all, now they just throw, they throw their whole, their upbringing on, 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 under the bus. It's silly. But I'm telling you, stability comes when a mom and dad attend church faithfully and they live it out. Listen, there's something that can hurt a child, and that's hypocrisy. The Bible says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Nothing makes a child more frustrated than inconsistency in their adults. <clears throat> don't be, make sure that you, you don't, you're going to dress a little differently on Monday when you go to work than you were on Sunday, but you should be the same person. You should be just as a godly a Christian on Monday as you were on Sunday morning. Be consistent. Kids love that. Other when they see what they see is what they get. It helps them. When they see inconsistency, it hurts them. But the way to stay stable is to, is to bring stability to yourself and to your, to your, to your family, is to, is to make sure church is important. Number three, church is a place when God strengthens you in seasons of trial. See, every one of us has something. We live in a very fallen earth. And sin complicates life. How many have experienced that before? Yeah. And trials are a part of sin's culture. It's going to come. Everyone's going to have problems. And the psalmist says, when I go to church, it has a unique way to help me. Look and see what it says. Would you please look at verse number six? 
And I'm sorry, verse number five. Blessed is the, is the man whose strength is in thee, the Lord, and whose heart was in the ways of them. Would you read verse six with me? Who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, and the rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appears before the, the Lord, before God. O Lord of God of hosts, hear my prayer, give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. As you look at this passage of Scripture, he says, you're going to need church not only to reset your soul. You not only need church to stabilize you and your family. You need church to strengthen you in seasons of difficulty. Here's what, that, here's what he calls the season of difficulty, the Valley of Baca. Now, for those of you who speak Spanish, that's not the Valley of the Cow, okay? That's the Valley of Weeping, the Valley of Trials. And everyone, no one has a life that's just, whoo, it's just always on the up and up. You know how your life is? The same as everyone else's life is. Woo, oh, oh, <laughs> woo. And when passing through the Valley of Tears, by the way, I'm so glad that we passed through it. No one lives in the Valley of Tears from the time they're born until they die. We have, most of our days are good days. Most of our experiences are great experiences. But you are going to pass through the valley of tears. We have two people who have lost loved ones in the room this morning in the last few days. They didn't know that was going to happen last week this time. And there's not a guarantee that any of us would not sit in their seat next week. You know what they need today? They need a church family. They need someone to say, I'm with you. I'm in your corner praying for you. You're important to God. Your family is important. We love you. There's a lot more difficulties than just someone passing away and going to heaven. Both of those, their loved ones is in heaven today. They're fine. But they need help. Sometimes we go through difficult trials of rejection or challenge or loneliness. You know what you need in our church family? When you pass through that valley of Baca, the valley of tears, you need a church home. God wired church. He's baked everything I need to be successful in the Christian life in the recipe of the local church to even strengthen me in seasons of difficulty. See, Pastor, I'm doing so good right now, I don't need a church. Hang on, buddy. You'll need it. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say this, and I'm so grateful. I love hearing it. They say, Pastor, when I went through my trial, I can't imagine what life would have been like without a local church. How do people get by with this without the work of God and the people of God? I remember when our son passed away at 17, Dr. Jack Treber is going to be speaking for us in, in uh, our next, uh, our next uh, servants conference. He said to me, John, you're going to find out that God's people are the best. And I found out that's true. God's people are the best. God put us together so we can be strengthened. Lastly, is so we can be stimulated to serve. Four things real quick this morning. Number one, we reset and uh, we, we reset our soul. We stabilize our family in our own hearts. We learn to get strength through trials of life. Number four, we get stimulated to do something. See, some churches, people are just like a, a fan at a football game. They, they're overweight, out of shape, and they just watch everyone else run around. And that's sometimes where people are in church. They could sing, but they don't sing. They could play an instrument. They don't play an instrument. They could help their Sunday school teacher build that class and visit people. They don't. 
They just sit and watch the world go by and want everybody to pat them on the back and say, you did a great job. Well done, thou good and faithful spectator. But that's not God's plan. God wants every saint to be a servant. He wants every member to be a minister. And now he transitions. said, yes, it's good because you'll reset your soul. You'll get satisfaction in your soul. You'll get stability for yourself and your family. You'll get strength for your trials. But all of that is so that we will serve the Lord. Let's look at the last part of this chapter, uh, this, this song, and we'll conclude. Verse number 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Here he says, the, the most menial job for a young Levite to do was to stand there and tediously open the door for people to come inside. Other people burned incense. Other people did sacrifices. Other people taught people the Bible all day. But if you had a low job, all you did is just open up the curtain. You just open up the curtain, a doorkeeper. Are you, are you going to come into worship? Okay, here. He said, if it's just a little job, I'd rather do a little job for God than to live in the nightclubs. I'd rather do a little job for God than to spend all my time in perversion or doing social media and just wasting time. Because I'd rather, I'd rather do something small for God than to live in the tents of wickedness. And you know, he tells us that God gives us strength and stimulus to serve in the little things of life. Some of you, if you've got a big job to do, you do it. If they were asking you to pre prepare a five-minute presentation, you would do it. But you won't walk across the street to give a gospel tract to somebody. You won't pick a piece of paper. You wouldn't, you wouldn't clean or vacuum. You wouldn't think about doing something for the church. You, could drive, you drive a truck all the time, but you won't think about driving a bus. You'll do something for money, but you won't do something for service. Because that, I, I, I've done that. I, I'm just... There's things that we get a little bit older we cannot do with energy. We ought to do with some urgency. We ought to say, what has God put me on the planet to do? Because you want to be involved in the work of the Lord. He said, be a doorkeeper. He'll, he'll give you direction on your little tasks. Look at the next one if we can, please. The last, verse number 11. I love this verse. The Lord God is a what? He's a son. You know what the son does? It gives us direction. If you get lost, you can look up in the sun and figure out at least what direction you know, it, it comes up in the east and it goes down in the west. You can figure that out. And the truth of the matter is, the sun, God gives a stimulus to do little tasks, and then they who are faithful and that was just least will be faithful also in much. He said that he'll also give you stimulus to do, and by the way, there are a lot of little tasks. Some of you precious people, you girls, you could watch nursery once a month. You could do that. Well, I, I wouldn't be able to sit with my husband. But that's all right. You can do that one time a month. You might be able to serve so someone else can sit with their husband. So they can, be, they can be someone. All of us, there's something we can do. There's a job for everybody. He said, he said do little tasks, but also give directed tasks. You know, God's going to show you. If you want to say, God, I want to serve you. I want you to use my life. Show me what to do. He will direct you. He said, the Lord is not only a son, but he's also a what? He's a protector. You know, the safest place for you to be is right smack in the middle of God's will for your life. Some of you are afraid that God's going to ask you or your kids to be a missionary. Don't be afraid about that. When you serve God, he's a shield. He gives direction, and where he guides, he provides. He gives the direction. He helps us with simple tasks. 
He helps us with directed tasks. He helps us with protected tasks. Look at the rest of the verse, verse 11. Can you look at it with me? He will give what two things? Grace and, you know, grace in the Bible is God's help. For by are you saved through faith. How do you get saved? God has to help you. You can't help yourself to salvation. You have to just put faith in what God did. You know, when you serve God, he enables you. He gives you strength to do it. Some of you, God's going to ask you two things, and you're going to say, I never in my life thought I could do this, but God helped me. I remember uh, just today, this morning, I was walking across the street about 6.30 this morning, and I was walking up, and I was talking to my mother on the phone, and she was giving me the message this morning. I'm just joking, not really. I was talking to my mother on the phone, and, and she said, John, I said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm walking across uh, State Street and getting ready to go into the building. And she said, John, did you ever think? I said, no, Mom, I never thought. Not in a million years. And it's still over my head. And I'm glad anything over my head's under his feet. And I'm glad I don't do this, and you don't do your work for God in your own abilities. If you do, you'll be very disappointed. But if you can let God give you little tasks, simple tasks, directed tasks, protected tasks, And then he can give you assisted tasks. Everything you do, you want to do it with his help, with his grace. And then that follows up with another one. He gives grace and what? Glory. Nothing we do for God will go unnoticed. Everything you do, even the smallest cup of water given in Jesus' name, he says, I got something for you for that. See, we think things we do for ourselves is when we really help ourselves. What God says, lay up for yourselves. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on. I want you to see things from eternal view. Put treasures in heaven. Because then God not only gives you help, but he gives you blessing, glory. No good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. God wants to reward us. I'm telling you, friends, I think that is just about the simplest passage of Scripture that you could ever see on why church is important. Why? Because it satisfies our soul. It stabilizes our family. It helps us to have strength in seasons of difficulty. And then it helps us to stimulate us to do something. Small things, directed things, protected things, assisted things, and things that will matter for eternity. I don't know where you are this morning, but if you think lightly about your work with Jesus in the house of God, I hope you'll change your thought. And you'll say, God, I want to do that with you. Let's pray together. Can we please?